building a business is tough, but how do you do it when you've also got to look after your family, have friends, get things done, and you throw in homeschooling and looking after kids? Surely things get left undone. Things get missed. How do you expect to stay on top of all of this and build a business and relax and meditate in the morning? And like, what happened to spare time? How do you do all of this? Welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur. That is what today's episode is all about. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. So I'm very excited about today's show. I have a huge amount of guests with me. And the thing that really sticks with me, the difference between an entrepreneur who makes successful moves and one that doesn't, is the amount of things they manage to get done. It's the progress they make on a daily basis. Because if you're building a business, you need to do sales every day. You need to move forward the marketing. There's so many roles you have to do. And you've got to do all of that whilst being a family person, whilst looking after your partner, whilst looking after your kids, whilst there's so many things you've got to do. And that's one of the biggest differences and why I'm so excited to do today's episode. Today's episode, let's lay this out. I have my fabulous business partner, Mr. Simon Payne with me. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Simon Payne. I'm absolutely terrified about this episode, Alan, but thank you for the warm welcome. (laughs) Well, I'm quite looking forward to it um, because I'm not on the hook this time. You are, Simon. So the episode today, Simon is going to be representing the entrepreneur who needs to get more done because, well, Simon, you have three kids, a global business, and you're trying to get some homeschooling done at the same time. Uh, yeah, that's, it's going really well, Alan. We, this is going to be a very quick episode, actually. I'm, I'm absolutely pumped and uh, <laughs> it couldn't be going better. I, I don't even know why you invited me on, but, uh, but look, you know, I'll do my best. I'll throw myself in. Fantastic. And one of the things I wanted to say to the audience, so Simon is going to sort of represent you, the entrepreneur, like you've got to get things done. You have a lot to look after. Simon's going to represent the entrepreneur that's going to get things done. And we've actually got two people with me. I've got Robert Peake and Peter Gallant. I'm so excited to have them on the show. Peter was actually a listener to the show and he filled out the feedback form of end of season one. And I messaged him back to say thanks for his feedback. And we had a brilliant chat about entrepreneurship, getting things done. And Peter teaches entrepreneurship And one of the classes he teaches is about getting things done and making progress. And we had this chat about David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. And Peter came up with an idea for this episode and a couple of others. So like Peter, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. Hey, Alan. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Yeah. And Peter introduced me to Robert and Robert is part of the Getting Things Done company in England. And Robert, you're a senior associate there and you help people overcome challenges. You help them be productive. Uh, You served as the CTO of the David Allen Company in the US. And that's kind of your full-time thing now is helping people implement the GTD methodology and make progress. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a major part of my focus. And it takes me, uh, has taken me over many years now across a really wide range of industries and a really uh, diverse group of people and businesses, including early stage startups and all the way up to very senior people inside of very, very big companies. And the fun thing about all of that is they all have the same fundamental issues to some extent. So I don't think that you're going to be in any way too much on the hook here. Uh, We're dealing with (laughs) human nature. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) And uh, how can I spin out the fishing metaphor uh, a a little more here? I'm going to give you lots of line. I'm going to give you lots of line. You know, (laughs) this is not uh, something where we're going to try and uh, get you in the boat and club you over the head. This is very much (laughs) looking at what's real for you and uh, how can we make it better? That's my life. How can I make it better, people? How can I help? I love that because I think it's really interesting when you look at because getting things done and making progress is the same whether you work in a giant company whether you're running a household or whether you're building a side hustle in a business, like it's a set of things that you are doing. And I find that fascinating. And one bit before we dive in is I think there's this feeling sometimes that when 
And I've had it in the past. My friends look at me like, why are you learning how to get things done? Why are you learning how to present? Why are you learning negotiation? Or why are you learning these things? And they almost see it as though by me going and asking for help and wanting to learn, I'm saying I'm not very good at it. And that's not how I see learning. I see learning as I always want to learn new skills to improve and get better. And I'm not saying I'm deficient. I'm saying I'm not perfect yet. Well, I never will be, but I'll learn more as I go. And I think that's a really important bit. So myself and Simon are here to learn from Robert, to soak up those things, because you can always get better at what you're doing. And that's the angle we want to look at this for you listening for us is let's learn new skills, improve where we're going, and it'll help us get things done and make more progress on our business. So that's what we're going to be doing. Robert, where's the best place to start? Should we start with what is GTD? Should we dive into some questions? How should we start? Well, I think that's a really great kickoff, uh, you know, initially, Alan, which is just to point out that people that do gravitate toward this work are usually very bright, very busy, and often highly creative. So uh, congratulations, Simon. You're, uh, you're, <laughs> you're in amongst uh, uh, all of us here. This reminds me of the conversation that an officer would have had with a soldier just before they put their head over the trench. Like, well done. <laughs> well done for being here. You're an excellent chap. Now, up you go. That's right. Uh, You're the bravest <laughs> among us all. You first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, but the, but the reality is the better you get, the better you better get. So wherever you are now, there's always a way to improve. And personal productivity and effectiveness is one of those areas that just needs improvement for everybody. Yeah, it does. Wherever you start, it's not going to be the end point. If you're an early stage entrepreneur and you're going to start a business, you've got to give some thought to how you're going to manage yourself and how you're going to manage all your personal and professional commitments across all these different areas of your life. And that's always going to be there as a problem. Yeah, I love that, Peter. Robert, please show me the boat. Like I'm, right. I'm swimming in the water. Help you're me treading water. <laughs> your head's above water. You got here and that's great. So Fundamentally, what, what we work with is what has your attention in a world full of uncertainty. So is it true there's a fair amount of uncertainty going on in your life and in your work as an entrepreneur? A little, I would say. There's a yeah, little a little bit. Right now, for sure. I think, I think if you're breathing right now in the 21st century, right, you're dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty and, and stuff coming your way. And your most precious commodity really that you have is your is your attention. So I think just to frame this, when we kind of swoop in and, and work with people again, from all kind of walks of life, uh, we work with them pretty extensively in a methodology that's pretty, well, not pretty, is completely comprehensive to your life and work. I've been practicing it for 20 years, uh, 21 now. <laughs> it's January 2021. And I met a man named David Allen in 2000 back in my native California. And what I've found is that there's not been a single thing in my personal or professional life that I couldn't throw at this methodology and find a way to clarify it, to track it, and to support me in getting it done in a way that's low stress. I just haven't found a single thing in 21 years of huge kind of ups and downs. Needless to say, we're not going to, in a, in a short podcast, cover all of that. So, you know, my goal, Simon, would be to give you a little bit of a taste of this, of how you can get some kind of hope and relief from the fundamental thought process of GTD. Does that, that sound okay? It sounds amazing, Robert. It sounds absolutely perfect. Let's just give you at least at least a little taste of that. So we start with your attention and what has your attention. So, you know, what's up in your world? What's going on right now? Well, we're in the process of rebranding the business, reinventing how we do the business in the middle of a pandemic. And I've got three kids. Two of them are homeschooling right now because of their schools being closed. And I have, I declare my hand here. Normally I'd add the challenges of child number three, but he joined the military today, actually the day that we're recording. So I'm kind of thinking that he could be off of my kind of to-do list right now. We're a small team, bunch of great characters in the team. And actually they don't need a huge amount of management, but it's more about the leadership of the business and where we're headed. We've got a bunch of stuff happening in different countries as well. So it's not just a UK operation. We're doing stuff in other places. So that's just a flavor. Yeah, not bored. <laughs> Simon, do you feel like you have more to do than you can do? I can't remember a time when I didn't feel like that, actually, Peter, certainly in the last <laughs> few years. Yeah, absolutely. That might correspond with me meeting Alan, of course, but but no, absolutely. <laughs> Competing priorities. Yeah, absolutely. Competing priorities. 
there's only one you. Cloning hasn't been invented. Even if it was, they, they probably wouldn't obey your commands. So <laughs> you've got to create, you know, focus for yourself. You've got to put your attention in the right places and feel like you're putting your attention in the right places. So is there a specific problem that comes to mind? Just It doesn't have to be, you know, big, small, personal, professional, just anything where I say, hey, what's a, a kind of problem or an issue that's on your mind right now, Simon? Sorry, how long have we got? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> just one. Just one. The one that's front of mind, and I think I'm, I'm relieved with what Alan said about this is about getting better. I thought for one minute he, he chose me because he knows that this is the stuff I struggle with. But, no, no, you know, this is the, the thing that's on my mind is and a, a recent realization. Motivation is massively overrated as a tool for getting things done. And I think over the years, I've perhaps too heavily relied on how excited I am, how much energy I've got and how pumped I am in the moment to get a bunch of things done. And consequently, my performance is sporadic. So I think the challenge that I have is just the thing that Peter was alluded to, you know, too many things in the to-do list, not a coherent and consistent system for dealing with new stuff as it happens. Like I'm the guy that's got, I've got like a, a to-do list that's on a whiteboard. I've okay. also got a, a OneNote to-do list. And sometimes the to-do list is in a notes section on my phone. Sometimes it's in a, I'm surrounded by about 15 sticky notes, which I'm well known for. Uh, right. as the king of the sticky notes. So look, I can be much, much more efficient with my time. And one of my biggest challenges is I'm sporadically efficient. I'll do two weeks worth of work in two hours and then feel paralyzed for a day at a time or longer. Do you know what I mean? Does, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And what's great to hear is that you've discovered one of the kind of key principles of the Getting Things Done methodology, which is that in addition to your calendar, you need to externalize the stuff that's not calendar-based, right? So you need to at least get it out of your head, externalize in some way all the things you've got to get done. In your case, you've got to-do lists and sticky notes. And it's not surprising that you still feel a bit overwhelmed and that your productivity is kind of fits and starts, as we say, up and down, binging and surging. So one of the Issues we find fundamentally with to-do lists is they're not comprehensive, right? so they're incomplete, and they're not clarified to the level that they give your brain the relief that it really craves and wants and needs, the kind of relief that then gives you the space to create focus and understand your relative priorities. So I'm going to get super tactical here and say, could you pick something off of your to-do list that's been on your mind or or that's been maybe stagnating for a while, something... If you were to grab a sticky note and go, oh yeah, this one, every time I see it, I get a sinking feeling. Something like that in your world? Yeah. 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 I'm just looking, I can't read my handwriting here. This is part of the problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pick this one here, which is creating a workbook. I need to create a workbook to go alongside one of our courses. Great. Okay. You need to create a workbook. So that's something you're committed to doing? Yeah. yeah and it's something, yeah. is it something really for you to do or is it something that it's more someone else needs to do that you kind of just need to track? Yeah, that's a great question. No, this one sits in my to-do list. It's for it's me you. to do. All right. It lives with you. So let's talk about the finish line for this thing. Let's cast your brain forward. Professional athletes do this all the time. I was watching the Olympics uh, when it was here in the UK, and I think it was Usain Bolt. And the camera just happened to be kind of floating on him before his race, the one that he won. And I saw him with his eyes closed and his hands up in this kind of victory pose. And I could see that in his mind, he was imagining the cheer of the crowd. He was imagining him breaking through the tape. And I knew someone had coached him about this, had coached him to think about the finish line before he even started the race. So his entire neurology was like lined up to do this thing. It was an amazing, amazing thing to see. And it was just by happenstance, you know, that the, the camera happened to be on him. And I went, I know what that is. So I'm going to ask you, what success look like in this case? What is your finish line for this particular thing? Completed workbook, signed off by the client. Mm -hmm. looking nice, comprehensive. And, and actually, I don't need to make it look pretty. That's someone else's to do, but I need to get them the raw content in order to make it look pretty. Brilliant. Okay. And if I were coaching you, I would recommend that you write that exact phrasing down. I would advise you to write it down somewhere on what we would call an outcomes list, or in our parlance, we might call it a project list. So if you were to just you know take a second and scribble that down, you can imagine you know successfully delivered there's a great past tense verb in there, which is an indication that your brain has indeed identified what it looks like to be completely done with this thing. Great. You got that? Got it. All right. Now, let's play another pretend game with your brain, Simon, and it's called, This is the Only Thing That Exists in Your Entire World. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that feel great? 
<laughs> all you got to do is a workbook. <laughs> nothing else. The kids have done nothing. It's all gone. You're in a vacuum. You and the means to complete this workbook. If that were true, uh, first of all, you'd breathe a sigh of relief, maybe. But maybe not, because you wouldn't have all the other creative things churning around. But if that were true, let's let's pretend that's true. What's the very next step with this? What's the very, very next thing that I would see you go off and do to get in motion with this, to get started? That's a great question. The next action, the next thing that I need to do is to log in to Google to download the daily agenda for the course because it's it's not one of our off-the-shelf ones, so it's got a its own intricacies. I need to go through the agenda, but step one, log in and retrieve the agenda. Log in and retrieve the agenda. Brilliant. And if I were coaching you, and I am, I would say you want another list somewhere. It could even just be a piece of paper, anything. And I would call that list your next actions list. And I would say exactly what you just said about logging into Google, downloading the thing, and that's what getting started looks like. So out of that one thing, by the way, you win a prize for uh, mentioning the magic phrase, next action. The company I work with, the franchisee of David Allen Company in the UK is called Next Action Associates because we're really, really big on that thing called the very next action. So you've got your next action, you've got your project, assuming that you were to consult that next action list regularly, assuming that you're going to start to build up, let's say, a whole bunch of next actions as a possible menu of things that you could do that are all bite-sized, they're all doable, as well as projects you're going to review once a week just to make sure you've got the right kind of next actions going. Is that off your mind enough that we could then just focus on another item, another problem in your world? Or is there yeah. more here? Is there, is there, what I'm asking, is there another action you might need to do in parallel? Is there a reminder to put on your calendar as a deadline? Is there something else here that you want to externalize? Or is that kind of good, staking that down for now? There's one thing, which is to rearrange the call that I had in tomorrow morning to talk about it. I need to bump it to another time during this week. That's the Brilliant. only other thing. So. Great. And I would get that down as a next action as well. If I were coaching in real time, I would also kind of ask, you know, is that something where you can just fire off an email in two minutes or less? In which case, I'd, I'd actually just say, do it right there and then. Because one of the keys is that so much stuff in people's world that's actionable that only just takes a couple minutes, a quick email reply or something like that, often gets stuck, stuck in the inbox or stuck in their head, even worse, because they think it's bigger than it is. I often break out a two-minute timer and just show people you can compose a reasonably robust email. You can knock a bunch of stuff back out of your world just with the simple tennis racket of what we call the two-minute rule. So as you can see from that one kind of to-do list item, we've broken out two things. And we've broken them out to quite a level of detail, but there's a reason for that. First of all, you touched on it in the very beginning when you said, I can't really read my handwriting <laughs> Right, and I'm I'm probably one of the absolute worst. My third grade teacher on my report card said, uh, "I'm afraid that Robert one day is going to have a really good idea, and no one will ever be able to read it." It's the nicest, <laughs> the nicest little backhanded compliment I think I've ever got. So I'm with you on the bad handwriting thing, but. There's more to this too, which is that our brains don't often know, remember what the heck we meant when we sort of scribbled something down. You know, people write to-do lists and I look at them and they say mum and reorg and, you know, I mean, just all kinds of things that you go, wow, that could use a little more unpacking perhaps, especially for the you, you know, several days or even a few hours from now that looks at it and goes, what? What was I, you know, what was I on about? Have you ever, ever had that experience? Uh, regularly, daily. Regularly, actually. daily. Yeah. Okay, right. So it's possible that you might find this thinking, this approach beneficial. What it's going to do is it's going to break out a bunch of those single sort of to-do items and sticky notes and what have you, the one thing, into two, right? And and in most cases, there are two things, and it's really simple. It's called the beginning and the end. And I think this is particularly applicable to entrepreneurs. I mean, in big corporations, we have a different kind of uncertainty going on, right? It's political. It's all kinds of things churning in, in big, big companies. But for entrepreneurs, one of the fundamental things, you know, is, is you're trying to find a market, hold on to a market, adapt to a market, and make money and have fun doing it. And there's a particular flavor of uncertainty, which I think meshes well with this kind of thought process. Because what we're saying is, don't stake down every single possible thing. Don't try and control exactly how it's all going to go. Don't pretend you know in advance what you don't know until you've done a fair amount of A-B and other types of testing. Just get the very next step down and get your outcome, what you want to be true at the end, down. And along the way, you're going to adjust dynamically and new input's going to come in and life's going to happen. 
but you're always going to be navigating with these two fundamental points. Make sense? Perfect sense. And actually, the outcome list is uh, is the first mini revelation I've taken from the stuff that you're talking about here. It makes yes. perfect sense. And we often talk about beginning with the end in mind, and you know yes. what's the thing that we're trying to achieve. But to actually reposition the to do list as you know, this is what I want it to look like when it's done, and I'm seeing it done, and I'm calling it this is my outcome. Yes. I think suddenly there's a line of sight from a bunch of next actions to the thing that you're driving to achieve. And I think up until now, what I've been doing is I write down, you know, uh, on-demand service as an idea, right? Right, sure. And it, it's just not compelling or exciting. Yes, that's right. Uh, it is deep down when I dig into it, but I'm not thinking about it as an outcome when I'm capturing it. I'm just adding to my overwhelm of going, here's another thing that I haven't done yet, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and part of the yeah. overwhelm is having to rethink it every time you see that and go, I mean, your brain's basically doing that. Well, what would be my next step and where am I really headed with this? It's just you're doing that every time you look at the sticky note over and over and over and over and over. So people yeah. go, well, how can you possibly make us more efficient and less stressed out? And we say, well, you're doing the, the hard part, the thinking part once, one time. You're doing it really thoroughly, really comprehensively, getting it captured somewhere it's going to help you. But that's that's one of the major efficiencies, I guess, of this model. And you're absolutely right. You know, motivation isn't necessarily enough on its own. It certainly helps. And I think, you know, in terms of all of these outcomes, having them be desired, having them be even inspiring if possible, right? You always go for what's the successful outcome? You know, what is the good outcome? We call them projects. And I would, I would encourage you to consider, Simon, from this point forward, having gotten at least a little taste of the GTD thought process, that you don't really have problems, you have projects. Anytime something comes into your world and you just go, that's off, that's not working, that bothers me in some way, you've already identified really that something's not true that you want to be true. And you did a beautiful job of stating exactly what that looks like, right? You put some parameters, you went, it doesn't have to be pretty, just has to be this, 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 and this. Like you knew exactly what the deliverable, what the finish line was in that case. So just unpacking that, getting that out there, showing yourself what the other side of the gulf is between current state and and what you want to be true is hugely helpful. But then the other side of that is you need to see yourself moving toward it, right? You see yourself crossing that chasm. Otherwise, it's just, like you said, kind of this fluffy motivational thing, this kind of vague thing. And so, right, so what's wonderful about the next action is that it's doable, it's achievable. You know how to log into Google. You know how to download that thing. You know how to get going on it. It's all within the skill of your job. It's all part of your job because you identified you shouldn't delegate it. It's for you to do. And it's bite-sized, right? You go, I can knock that out. You've had the experience of you know something like, I, I know a lot of people that do this, they, they write a, a list of stuff they've done at the end of the day, just so they could cross it off, just so they could feel like I did something. <laughs> I don't know if you've if you've had that one, but I've got uh, no idea what you're talking about. No, no idea, no idea whatsoever. Yeah, right. You know, you play those kind of games with yourself. You know, yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it's absolutely true. Like we're starved for accomplishment, and having a something super bite sized that's going to move you, then b toward a meaningful goal. It's one of the biggest ways that we overcome something that I'm sure you've never heard about, and I'm sure you've never experienced for yourself. But here's here's a new word for your vocabulary. It's how we overcome something called procrastination. Yeah. Can we deal with that uh, in the next podcast? Sure. Robert, sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll just sure, defer yeah. that one for now because <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell that that's, yeah. <laughs> procrastination never happens in any of our world. No, right. It never <laughs> happens. Robert, can I, can I jump in and ask you a couple of questions just where Absolutely. we are right now? And that is, so you're talking about creating lists of projects, which are intended outcomes and next actions. And, and of course, you can't do a project. You can only do the next actions on the list. Right. So if I go through that exercise, typically in your coaching experience, how many projects and next actions does your quote average person, not that Simon or Alan are average, but how many projects and next action would the average person end up with if they really did this thoroughly? everything personally and professionally, what would they end up with? (laughs) So, you know, we say that this is a stress alleviating thing, but when we talk about this particular issue, I'd say, you know, strap on your blood pressure cuffs, because here it is. Most people, when they really get a comprehensive inventory of everything that's going on in their world, we see 50 to 70 of these desired finish lines or outcomes in their world, personally and professionally, all told in their life. And something like 50 to 100 individual next actions that they have as options to get started with completing these things. Yeah, that's one of the big challenges, right? Because when you get all this stuff out of your head and you write it down, 
you realize all of the things you've committed to. And I think some part of you wants to blame the process or the system or the methodology <laughs> that, that got that all out of your head saying, well, well, that's impossible. I can't have that many projects. I can't have that many next actions. You know what? You designed your life. You made all these commitments. And yeah, now you have to kind of go through them and figure out what to do about them. But the good news, they're out of your head. They're into some sort of trusted capture system. The other question I had was, you can just start this on paper, right? You don't need fancy technology and iPads and software to do this. You can start off on paper, but where do people end up kind of storing all of these projects and next action lists in a way that they can access them and use them? It's a good question. You know, technology has solved a lot of problems and it's created a lot of problems too. I mean, the net is to the good, right? But it's still the case. So this is a thought process, right? I mean, what Simon and I just did as a kind of little mini example really didn't have to do. I didn't come in and say, all right, Simon, you know, are you using Evernote or Trello or, you know, this or that? And how's your uh, Zapier formulas and whatever, right? I just came in and said, how's your thinking? You know, how's your thinking going with all of this stuff? It's all stuff thinking we know how to do, but it's not thinking we've necessarily applied kind of comprehensively. So you are going to end up with lists. Um, I hate to say it, Simon, we don't recommend sticky notes, partly because they're sticky. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not fun to deal with. They're okay as a capture device, meaning they're okay to scribble down the initial thing. That's fine. And when you do scribble them down, we recommend that you corral them somewhere like an inbox rather than all over your monitor. <laughs> Are you watching me? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I promise. I promise. I'm not. You know, ignore, <laughs> ignore the camera in the corner there. Ignore that camera. That's that's nothing. That's just for security. But then, as you know, once you've got that kind of corralled into one place, you're going to want to run this thought process, and you need somewhere for those projects and next actions to go. Any kind of list keeper, any kind of list keeper that will help you keep lists in categories will work, right? And often, I find the simpler, the better. Frankly, uh, Outlook Tasks works totally fine. Evernote, sure, fine. I use uh, OmniFocus on my Mac, but I, you know, kind of use it in a real, real rudimentary way. Why? Because you're moving fast. You want to be able to quickly access this list of actionable options in your world, and you want to pick them off and you want to get stuff done, right? So many people, I think, get just wrapped around the Ethernet cable or whatever it is the equivalent these days wirelessly that they just go off into thinking that the bells and whistles are something that's going to help their productivity when in actuality, what you really need is sharper thinking. Yeah, and this is a point of resistance. This is where I think the procrastination and that resistance can come in is saying, well, I need to find the perfect tool. I need to find the perfect piece of software to manage my world or manage my workflow. You don't. You can sit for a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon in a great environment and dump out a mind sweep, as we call it, a list of all of the commitments, big and small, personal and professional that you're responsible for and start to figure out what are the next physical actions you have to take to move the ball forward on any of those items. And then you can get those onto lists and start getting them done and it feels great. Robert, when we've kind of gone through that process and that mind sweep and we've kind of got these, these organized, then what's the kind of normal operating system for somebody who runs this methodology? Like how, how do you actually then go and, and kind of run it? How does this reconcile with your calendar, for example? What do you first do when you get up in the morning and start working on stuff? How do you know what to do? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you mentioned calendar. Calendar, I think of as most people's kind of first trusted system. Anybody that's a big enough adult to be starting a business or far along in a business they started or co-founded understands that you can't just kind of manage your life and your meetings and all the time-based stuff in your head. It's just not going to work, right? Not 365 slots a year or, you know, times however many hours in the day. It's impossible. So what we do in the Getting Things Done methodology is really start to unpack a, a clean and efficient way for dealing with all the stuff that isn't staked down to a particular time or a particular day. And that's what the lists are for. And that's what the lists are all about. So, you know, what is the phrase, you know, here in the kind of short ditch old street area, I've heard, I've heard some of the young kind of startup guys talk about rise and grind, rise and grind, you know, and uh, it's great if you're a barista, but otherwise the idea that just jumping into motion <laughs> and hoping you're focused on the right things isn't really going to get you very far in the long term, right? I mean, it can just feel like you're scrabbling, like you're on a kind of hamster wheel. So having good daily habits can be really key. 
often recommend to people, hey, you know what, with your morning cup of coffee, why don't you just write down the top three things on your mind and do this process? That's a great kind of starting ritual. So Simon, that's something you could consider that you just you just start to get some things off your mind and get them clarified. And it can be three a day. And pretty quickly, you'll build up to where your lists are, are fairly comprehensive of what your options are. Another thing that you want to do is you want to look at these lists, right? For some people, that means looking at your lists when you're not doing something that's in your calendar, right? So in between meetings, basically, and all the white space, those lists are there for you as options. For other people, particularly in really busy, hectic days, they might want to just kind of decant or distill out a subset of some options for that day out of the big kind of next action lists. But one of the keys is we recommend that you work. Um, so Simon, you, you mentioned that the, the projects list was really a kind of revelation to you, that this is kind of in a way getting you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but getting you back in touch with the motivating factors, the successful outcomes. But when you're working day to day, what you really want to do is knock stuff out, right? You just want to knock stuff out. So we recommend you actually work predominantly at the next action levels, crossing those guys off, building momentum as you see yourself getting stuff done and, and moving on to getting more stuff done. And then once a week, stepping back, looking at the calendar, looking at the project list, kind of looking at the bigger picture overall to make sure that for every project, there is still a next action. You are tracking where the ball is on its way toward the goalpost, that you are in touch with what's coming forward, you know, towards you in your calendar, and that you're in touch with some of the other kind of more subtle lists that we, we build out over time, things like the waiting for list, lists of things you're tracking that other people are doing for you, um, agendas where you're gathering topics to raise with people that you have regular contact with. So there's a lot of kind of nuance to it. As I said, it covers everything. You know, or at least it has in, in my world for 21 years. But the basics are, you know, you want to get it out of your head. You want to get it into much better clarified lists. And you want to consult those lists in concert with your calendar, either back and forth throughout the day or at least at the start of the day, so that you know what your options are and you can feel good about your choices. So, Simon, the thing I would hope for you in, in all of this, if you do choose to take it forward with a bit more of this thinking and a bit more of this GTD practice is that you achieve a sense that you can trust your choices, that when you choose to focus on something, you can just give it your full attention and you know it's the right thing to be working on at that moment. Does that sound good? It sounds cathartic, Robert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is, it is. You know, I think um, what I've noticed about our business, and if you look back at the times when we are in getting things done mode, uh, you, you know, you can almost track, there's a lag effect, but you can look at our bank balance and you can look at our order book and our number of clients and go in six months time, it's going to be really full because of the effort that we're putting in now. So I'm, I'm a big convert to this stuff. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, this is something that, that Alan's been brilliant at and I've learned from him. I think that the extra challenges, if I, if I can just share a couple of thoughts with you and, and get your view on this. Please. Uh, challenge number one is the discipline required to keep that list going. I think what happens is it tends to be a bit sporadic where I go, I need to get on top of my lists and I'll write down a bunch of projects and I'll be, you know, I'll be capturing some of the next actions. But in three weeks time, the list will be out of date. And in about three months time, I'll start a new list. <laughs> you know, and I think and any tips on on that, first of all, and, I, and I'll share a couple of other challenges with you, but any tips on you know, are you suggesting that we put in a, a calendar entry to go like once a week, just check back into the list, just make yourself do it so that it stays current and so on? Absolutely. Yeah. So once a week, you really want to look at those those projects and you want to look at those next actions and make sure for every project there is a next action, kind of to earn the privilege of living sort of day-to-day -day in those next actions, right? So that, that day-to-day, -day, you're just doing bite-sized stuff that you can do and knocking out a bunch of stuff in parallel. Right. I think a lot of people get stuck on this is the most important thing, but well, what's the real next action? Well, I'm waiting for feedback. It's like, well, great, we'll move on to something else, you know, that you can do. So yes, there are some habits and rituals to establish around this. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not at least looking at your diary once a week, I mean, I think you probably had some unpleasant surprises that were unnecessary in your life, right? I mean, you've ended up with you know, petrol station flowers for your wife and uh, <laughs> you, know, you, you miss stuff if you're not at least looking at your calendar once a week. So hang it on that habit, right? You know, just hang it on that existing habit of, of doing some kind of review for yourself that you also have have a look down this project list. And then the other thing is that, that daily, you really do need to consult these actions and keep them fresh and current. The thing you said about investing now so that in a few months' time, uh, revenues are going to be better. That's what we're doing here. You're front-loading the thinking. 
You're thinking about stuff when it comes into your world and getting it sharp and clear. You're doing what's needed to maintain the kind of bigger picture of what all your options are. And you're reaping the benefits of a lot less stress and a lot more efficiency. And when we tell people that that's possible, so many people are, I think, kind of almost addicted to the idea that to have more success, you have to admit more stress into your world, right? They almost like feel good about or feel worthy of their success or accomplishments because look at how stressed out they are. And the truth is that this decouples that notion. It allows you to actually get more done and feel better about it, feel less stressed out about it because it's external, because it's in a system. I call it my second brain, you know, so cloning doesn't exist, but having a second brain really kind of does exist if you put in the work, if you put in the effort to maintain it. Once it becomes a habit, doesn't feel like work anymore, just feels like how you do your life, right? I would no sooner skip a weekly review than, you know, skip brushing my teeth, right? At this point, it just, it would feel gross, right? Yeah, so, yeah it makes yeah, sense. But, but it's not free, right? Any investment, a lot of people who are busy, don't seem to recognize the value of investing in their own productivity by spending some time once a week to dig up all the things they're responsible for and to make sure that those lists are complete and that your brain can trust them. And they're willing to invest their time. They have really full calendars. There's no white space on their calendar, but they haven't reserved the time for their own productivity and their own well-being. And it's it's baffling to me that that people aren't willing to invest the time in doing that. Yeah. And uh, actually your comment then, Peter, triggered a couple of thoughts. So thought number one is, okay, so I tear down my list of next actions. I can see how that would uh, and has, you know, removed the overwhelm of, you know, the sheer volume of of stuff going on. I can't wait to ring up my ex and, and I'll text the kids shortly and tell them that they're my current project. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, that, and that's a next yeah. action in and of itself right there. Yeah, there yeah exactly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that conversation. It's going to go down brilliantly. Um, and there's a bunch of mini projects within that, of course, as well. But I think the um, my thought was, okay, so we go down the next actions. And actually, whilst we've been talking, I, I've rearranged tomorrow morning's meeting. So thank you very much for, uh, for making hey. me do that, Robert. You got it. Uh, it took me 90 seconds. So I'm all over that. That's great. That makes sense. You know, there's a team in it. I can just do that right now. I don't have to wait. Logging in and getting the agenda. I've got a whole battle to do with Google passwords and whether I've got permission to view that document or not. And, that you know, that's probably not a two-minute job. It's probably a 15-minute one. But uh, once I've done those next actions, at what point do I go, now I need to capture the subsequent actions as a result of that piece of work that's triggered. Do we pick that up in the weekly review? Do you do it there and then? Does it depend on whether it's front of mind? Can you talk to that for a moment, Robert? No, it's a great question. Yeah. So typically the way I kind of define a next action is you're going to kind of do it in one sitting, one go. So if it's bigger than that, it may be a project because there's multiple steps to get there. And this is how you see that people have 50 to 70 projects, right? Most people think project is my top three things in the company. It's like, no, any outcome that you care about uh, needs to go on on one of these lists, and then the very next step really is you know what what are you going to do in one sitting, or you know you might get interrupted. So what happens when you get interrupted in the middle of doing a next action? Well, you just bookmark where you left off. It's the same as reading a book and and getting interrupted, right? The back page, the the final page of the book is your desired outcome, and you know anytime you're done with the book or anytime you're ready to switch activity, you put a bookmark in there. That's exactly what this list of next actions is. It's a set of bookmarks for what your potential entry points are to get going on these outcomes that you care about. So yeah, you can record it once you kind of complete an action and are ready to move on activity. You can bookmark it there and then. But the weekly review is this safety net, is this kind of sweep up time where you can go, oh yeah, I, I forgot that actually, you know, the very next action here is is something that I didn't record. Good thing I did my weekly review. That's back on the list and that's back in motion. Yeah. And if you fall off the wagon, the weekly review is how you get back on. Every one of us, Robert, me, everybody, David Allen himself, have all fallen off the wagon from time to time. And how you get back on is do a full weekly review, get everything out of your head, make sure all of your next actions and projects lists are, are complete so you can you can trust them again. One other thing that I think is an interesting idea that I might want to explore with Robert and see, Simon, if, if this is something that you can do as well is we've all got a neural system called our reticular activation system. And so, in other words, if I'm thinking about buying a particular model of car, that car begins to show up everywhere. I, I notice it where I've never noticed it before. Has that ever happened to you, Simon? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. 
Yeah, or if I all of a sudden asked you to close your eyes and imagine or look around, look look at where all the red is in your room right now and then close your eyes. Now you're going to be able to be more attuned to where that is. How this translate is one of the things you can kind of train yourself to do is identify whenever you're making a commitment. Because one of the biggest sources of next actions is somebody needs you to do something. You've committed to create the workbook, probably because you had a team meeting and all of a sudden that came onto your radar. You made a commitment, that open loop, as we sometimes call it. Now that's a commitment that you have to fulfill. So, and a lot of next actions come at us very innocently. Somebody asks you, one of your kids asks you to pick up something the next time you're out at a store. Well, you're either going to keep that in your head and maybe forget to do it, or you're going to end up putting that on a list. And in my world, that comes up on a list. And the next time I have my list of errands to do, that comes out and, and gets done. But a lot of incoming email, for example, has a lot of embedded, subtle next actions and commitments. So if we can train ourselves to spot them and then train yourself to take that one extra step, write it down. As soon as you've spotted those next actions, get them onto your lists. That has a huge impact. And remember, you can also combine that with a two-minute rule. Two-minute rule is amazing for email. I get lots of emails from students and some of my consulting clients and my consulting practice. And if I can answer that question, send them a file, reply to them, and get that reply within two minutes, I do it as soon as it shows up. doesn't matter if it's 7 in the morning or 11 at night. If I happen to be on email, I'll do it right away. And it's amazing how often you get people coming back and saying, hey, thanks for the quick reply. Because most people don't do that. It just sits in a large email inbox. How many emails are in your inbox right now, Simon? If I were standing over your shoulder, I have lots of your next actions on the monitor, on the post-it notes. How many emails have you got? That's a terrifying question. That's a terrifying question, Peter. That's, that's why they pay me the big bucks. I ask the terrifying <laughs> questions. No, look, actually, I wanted to talk to that point. Uh, let me just say a lot. I want to talk to that point, which is, okay, so the, the two-minute ones I get, what's the ideal system in your experience, Peter, and Robert, too, come in on this? The um, Okay, so if it's not a two-minute thing, where do you put it? Do you put it in a separate folder? Because I, I've done that over the years, but I've not stayed disciplined to keep that folder alive and then consequently like oh no i've not looked at that folder for a month and that was all the stuff that needed doing oh i haven't and then suddenly kind of feeling i'm beating myself up for being inefficient do you leave it in the inbox do you mark it as unread do you put it somewhere else how do you handle that okay so so i'll robert will probably have some great advice on this but i'll just tell you what i do so my inbox is only for incoming items so when i wake up in the morning i've the only things that are in my inbox is email that came in overnight I start with zero. I operate from zero base in my inbox. And the reason for that is it doesn't mean I've done all the things that have come in by the email. But what I've done is I've used the inbox to say, okay, this is a new item that requires my attention. And then I go through a little thinking loop that says, is this junk? That's easy. Hit delete. Done, right? Is it something I can answer in two minutes? If it is, I get that right out of my world. I reply to that email. I might click and drag my reply or I might email myself my reply. And then I might click and drag that into an appropriate folder, like if I need it for reference or cover my butt. And then if it's something that takes more than two minutes, I ask myself, am I the right person to do it? Is this a question from a client about an invoice that needs to go to my bookkeeper? Then I would I simply forward it and I might email it to myself and be able to click and drag that into a waiting for folder. And then all of a sudden, all I'm left with is stuff that takes me more than two minutes to do that I have to do right? That are probably end up being next actions. And this is where it depends on your email system. You could have a little folder that says at action, but then as you say, you have to then open that folder and tackle those actions. I would tend to put those also on a list and say, reply to email of date X from this client, because it's going to take me two minutes to do it. That goes on my action list, especially if I'm not looking back at my email. But if you're in an environment like I am and Robert is, which is OmniFocus, you can actually forward your email to a, a secret email address that they, makes it appear in your OmniFocus system. It's magic. It's wonderful. Because then you can just click on the item in OmniFocus, the, the to-do item, and up comes the email that you have to reply to. But in, in the simplest form, I would keep your inbox clean. And it's hard to get there. But once you're there, keep your inbox clean get all those initial items out of the way and then track everything on one of your normal lists because email is just one of those inputs, right? Robert probably has some other thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Email is just one input. And as Peter said, you've got to be scanning WhatsApp and Telegram and Slack and all kinds of other things for is there a commitment to capture. So the commitments end up in a system that's really kind of independent of where and how it comes in. It could come out of your head. It could come out of an email. It could come anywhere. But I'm guessing, Simon, the reason that 
you look at a big inbox and it feels a bit daunting is that the idea of clearing it all is that, well, I'd have to do all that stuff in order to get it clear. No, what we want to do is just transmogrify it, right? We want to just translate it into a better format to work from than what email is. Likewise, a better format to work from than what a WhatsApp message is. So email subject lines, just people more or less seem to just kind of randomly assemble words, as far as I can tell, to decide what the subject is. So if you can retitle the subject line, that could be a way that you could keep your clarified thinking, right? Your next actions, your projects, and whatever. But for most people, as Peter said, you're going to want to keep your lists separate from the raw material inputs, which is email or WhatsApp or what have you. And you're going to want just to be able to know when you've seen all the stuff that's new, right? So that's why we recommend you get that stuff out of the inbox once you've created the project, the next action, et cetera. Does that make sense? Does that seem, I mean, this stuff is pretty, pretty practical. Yeah, no, I'm getting granular. I want to, I want to know what life needs to look like as soon as we get off of this recording. Like I'm all over this. I I think this is, I can really very clearly see the benefit because I am a double, triple, quadruple handler of emails. You know, I I know I've got that thing. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, Oh boy, I've seen it a lot. Over (laughs) again, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and you mark it unread and you read it again. And you know, right, we say the touch it once, think it through once. You know, David's quip is if you know, don't have the same thought twice unless you like the thought. So, likewise, your own brain is an enormous inbox in its way, an enormous source of generation, too. Think it all the way through what does it mean? What's the action? What's the outcome? And then get it into an appropriate place so that if you need to refer to it later, great, you know how to get back to it from the action, from the list, which is where you're going to work. But yeah, so many people are working in their inbox. And one of the things I say is like, guys, we save time out of your life just in scrolling. If you're working out of your inbox, you know, the amount of scrolling and clicking red and unread and flags and all of that stuff is just incredibly time consuming. Yeah. So I think just to clarify then, you're kind of saying, look, you've got all these inputs, you know, you're getting WhatsApp messages and text messages, and then someone rings you up and then you've got a bunch of emails that come in daily. So the discipline here is to go, I'm getting these multiple inputs. Now I need, when I see that email and it's not a junk, it's not a two minute, you know, it then goes on to the core list. So I've got all of my stuff in one place and it's just having that discipline to go, this is my app. The outcome that I want is I need to have X for this client delivered. And it's a project that it's got two months on it and I've got to work on it, but I've got to take it out of the email and record it in the master list. So that, that, that's the advice that you're giving. That's absolutely right. Yeah, your work your work is clarifying this stuff. And ever more, particularly in the kind of founding level of entrepreneurship, your job is to create clarity, at least about what the problems are, you know, and what next steps are to, to potentially solve them or investigate them or, or, or so forth. So the intention of this is don't rethink, get it clarified enough the first time that when you go and work from those lists and approach those lists, that you don't have to go, what did I mean? Or oh, you're not missing anything. Right? Because then you can scan down a really potentially very long list of stuff and pick out the next action almost intuitively, right? especially if you're doing those weekly reviews and you have the bigger picture kind of ingrained in your thinking. Yeah, the other thing, Simon, the way I think of it is it's almost like you're kind of switching modes, right? So when you get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I look at my calendar. What's the hard landscape? What are the things that are going to be fixed parts of my day where I've made time commitments that I have to be there? And, and for most of us, we already know how to do that. That's a big part of our work. But then there's two other parts of our work that I kind of switch my mind to. One of them is, is I have the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to go and collect all of those inputs, be it from Slack, from telephone messages, from a, a physical inbox where you've got a piece of paper lying there, from yesterday's mail, from email, whatever's coming into your world, trying to minimize the number of places where you have to check for, for incoming actions and incoming work. But at some point, you spend some of your day actually going through that stuff, knocking off the two-minute items, delegating whatever you can delegate, and then building up that inventory of work that you're going to have to do at some point. And then you can kind of switch modes again and say, okay, now I've emptied my inboxes. I feel good about that. There's nothing that's an emergency that's going to blow up that's going to change my day. I know the hourly commitments I have to make throughout my day from my calendar. Now in that white space in my calendar, I can actually start working on the work that I've already got on my list, my predefined inventory of work. And what I've noticed is, and and Robert, I'm sure you have too, is if somebody shows you their calendar and they kind of take this red badge of courage pride Look how busy I am. There's no white space in their calendar. I guarantee you, they're not very productive. 
because they haven't got the time. If they're going from meeting to meeting and time commitment to time commitment, they don't have the time to actually go and do all of that important work that's on their lists. Absolutely. Busy is not productive. And, you know, maybe you can afford to look busy, you know, to other people in situations where you're kind of in a big, big corporate culture and look how late at night I'm staying and whatever. But if you're working for you, you know, and trying to balance all the other stuff you've got going on, you want you want efficient, you want productive. And that doesn't necessarily just equate to doing a lot of stuff. Choosing the right things to do and to focus on is critical. And the only way you're going to do that is to know what all your options are. Trying to pre-filter it all, trying to keep it in your head. It'll, it'll start to drive you nuts. I'm excited for this. Yeah, yeah. And Robert, why do people... Half one of the 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 kind of pieces of advice around this type of system is that it only works if you get everything. So why do people need to capture everything personal and professional? Why why can you kind of only not not only just do this on work? Why do you have to do this with everything? We don't have to do anything. I think already, Simon, you're getting a little taste of what kind of the, some of the hope and relief is. But if you really want to go for it, you are going to want to get all that stuff out of your head. You know, I was. I was coaching a really senior person one time inside an organization. We were doing this kind of exercise. We were doing a mind sweep. I was saying, let's just write down all the stuff on your mind. And they did. And we went through it and we got to a thing and they went, that's not important enough to write down. I said, oh, really? How many times have you thought about that unimportant thing in the last couple of weeks? Oh, hundreds. It's just, it's nagging away at me. I said, it's too unimportant not to write down. It's too unimportant not to get into a system in some way so you can give it appropriate attention. So at the end of the day, we're dealing with appropriate attention and trusted choices. And the only way that you're going to really be able to trust your choices and really be able to give your full attention to something you are doing is to know what you've said no to, what you're not doing, at least in that moment. And that's why we want to get comprehensive. Now, when you're a highly creative person, and I'm going to assume you and all of your wonderful listeners, anyone that's gravitated to this podcast, for goodness sake, they're highly creative and intelligent. When that's the case, you also want to get really clear about what you're committed to and what you're not committed to. So one of my favorite lists in the getting things done model is something we call someday, maybe, someday, maybe, meaning it's a great idea. Don't want to lose it. Could be incredible, could change the world, could change my life and others' lives, but I really don't want to commit to it right now. So Simon, I encourage you to to look and to think about if you were to take a kind of a scalpel to your life and divide it into these are good ideas, but I really don't want to actively commit to them right now. And these are things that I really am actively committed to. Are there some things that you, that might even be on post-its or externalized somewhere or rattling around in your head that would be useful to get onto a good ideas that, ah, I don't have to say that I'm absolutely committed to doing right now. Yeah, there's definitely a bunch of those. Yeah. So look, Simon, we have covered a huge amount in this and it's stuff that I've been thinking about I practice and I fall off the wagon and don't do at times what have you got out of this chat so far Simon uh, I'm fixated on uh, an empty inbox I can see that as uh, one of my biggest goals for the next few days and I can I think I've got the confidence to commit to so I think what I've not done is really fully committed to a or just a way of managing the lists and managing the stuff I think I've got a bunch of questions about the day-to-day because I do tend to be very binary I'm either like fully on and I forget to eat I forget to drink water I forget to sleep and I you know I'll I'll have like a 14-15 hour day (laughs) and I I know there's there's biorhythms in built into this you know when are you at your best when are you not and then you get sideswiped because one of the kids is is off school because they've been sick and then uh, all sorts of stuff and then there's chewing gum that's stuck underneath the table and then you've got to get it off and all of these things that happen in and around it I think for me I can see how cathartic being deliberate about managing the day and having a bunch of next actions that you can go here's how I'm going to spend the next two hours I'm going to spend 25 minutes and hit the list then I'm going to have something to eat or drink and then I'm going to hit it for another 25 minutes and repeat and so on I can definitely see how this stuff would would help with that so I'm actually I can't wait to get started Alan Great. And Simon, that. you know, remember that it was, uh, the hare had a lot of fun, but the tortoise kind of won that race. So like you, it's a great thrill to just go, go, go and work on adrenaline and all of that. But if you really want to build something sustainable and meaningful, um, get into those rhythms. The race is really won in the day to day. Great. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, I love it. That is definitely the message, Robert. 
And I think it's the consistency. If for the people listening to the podcast, for you, the listeners, please hear that is the consistent day to day doing the actions. And it's not getting yourself amped and coffeed up and doing 12 hours straight. It is doing a bit every day and continually moving it on. I think that's fantastic. Peter, do you have any messages for the entrepreneurs listening to the show about this? Absolutely. So I work with a lot of students. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs running early stage companies. And I ask them the same question. How are you going to operate? What's your kind of personal operating system? How are you going to work in a sustainable way with an overwhelming number of things to do, both personally and professionally, and balance your life and achieve what you want to achieve, move the ball down the field in your business, but in other areas of your life that are also important to you? So what's your operating system? And how are you going to do that sustainably for the next hundred years of your personal and professional careers? And that's a hard question. And I think I encourage everybody listening that if you're thinking about starting a business, think about all of the different complexities and, and just sheer number of things that you have to work on to be able to make that business successful and make this upfront investment in yourself in figuring out how you're going to manage yourself and implement that even at the simplest stages we've talked about today with, with lists and identifying next actions, doing a weekly review, operating from zero-base email, you'd be ahead of about 95% of people on the planet if you're able to do that. And I think this is a key thing here. If you try and write down all of the next actions to complete a project, it will overwhelm you. So if you think about the next 100 years, I would be overwhelmed. But if I think about to move the project to the podcast on, okay, after this, I've just got to download the tracks and file them and send them to Andrew, the editor. Well, I can do that. So I think the key for all of us is not to get overwhelmed, is to stay focused on just moving these things on step by step. Yeah, sustainability. Yeah, every single day. Simon, thank you for being part of the podcast. Thank you for being my business partner. I know I've put you through a lot, but I really do appreciate and love you. I know you're just getting warmed up, Alan, as am I. <laughs> <laughs> and then Simon, no permanent scarring, right, from uh, from those questions uh, we fired your way, right? No, no, you, be, you were very gentle with me. I, I actually, I, I'm excited to experiment with this stuff. And I Terrific. think having the confidence to go beyond the sporadic productivity that I've had over the years and uh, I think it's this conversation is so timely because I'm going there's a whole bunch of things that I want to get done that you know we're very ambitious for the future of the business but also I don't want to break myself in the process and there's other stuff that I want to do so deep down I know that there's some so many wins in deliberately managing your time and doing stuff on purpose rather than allowing things to happen to you because of inefficiency and that's what i'm excited for so thanks to you both so much for giving up your time pleasure yeah, yeah. no i think investing in yourself is what i keep hearing you know as a common theme here so yes. you may not need outside investors but you certainly need the ones from the inside out that are you going to support you and you deserve it you deserve it so go for it simon appreciate that thank you very much yes Peter, thank you for helping us bring this together. Thank you for being on the show. If the audience want to find out more about what you do, is there somewhere they should go or uh, are you happy to stay anonymous? Yeah, I do a little bit of blogging at uh, professorfire.com because I do some work in the financial independence community. But otherwise, I'm always happy to uh, uh, answer emails at peter.gallant at rt-v.com. That's romeotango-victor.com. I tell you what, that was brave, Peter, putting your email address out there. We'll see how many emails you get. I love it. That's okay. I can handle them and I can answer them, especially if they're more than two minutes. <laughs> if you ask me a question I can answer in less than two minutes, you'll get an answer real quick. Your productivity <laughs> test, Peter. <laughs> your defining moment is now. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> I love it. And Robert, thank you for your clarity, simple way of explaining things and your energy I found this incredibly insightful and useful. And actually, seeing the project list as an outcomes list, that for me was a foundational thing that I think yeah. I'll take forward and use. I love that. And yeah. Robert, you work for Next Action Associates in the UK. Our audience is both US, UK. If people wanted to find out more about you or GTD or Next Action, like where would they go in the different countries? Yeah, well, wherever you are. I wear two hats. One, yes, I do this for a living and I love it. But two, I'm just a big old GTD fanboy and it makes me incredibly happy 
to hear from people that want to do this, that choose to do this, and that are getting the benefit from it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the same route as Peter, and I'm going to say, wherever you are in the world, feel free to email me. That's robert.peak, that's P-E-A-K-E, there's an E at the end, at next-action.co.uk. I'm really happy. Uh, again, it'll be a little of a productivity test for me as well to to field those. But I'm really, really happy to. I'll just talk to anybody, right? You know, in an elevator, anywhere. Some people get sick of me, but if you want to talk more about GTD, just drop me an email or go to next-action.co.uk. Even if you're outside the UK, we'll route you to the right place. It's it's all fine. And again, even on a just friendly basis, I want people to get this experience, this little taste, hopefully that Simon got of a relaxed focus of sustainability. And of investing in themselves. That's fantastic. Simon, Peter, Robert, thank you so much. And to those listening to the show, go out there, take these tools, do something every day to start working and creating the life you've always dreamed of. Thank you for listening. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out, be different, be yourself, be a rebel entrepreneur.